As we celebrate our anniversary today, I'd like to give a message entitled, The Role of Breadcom QC in Our Conflict-Laden World. And we will continue our series on the Epistle of James. And we are now in chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. When we open our Bibles, we will discover that conflicts are very common. The basic conflict that we will discover in the Bible is the conflict between God and Satan, which has started from the beginning and will end one of these days. And then second, we find an interpersonal relationship conflicts between blood relatives. We find conflict between two ladies, both wives of Abraham, Sarah, the wife, Hagar, the mistress, and then brothers, Jacob and Esau, and then sisters, Leah and Rachel, and then brothers again, Joseph and the ten brothers. So that was during the patriarchal times. And then when we go to the monarchical times, we find conflict between Penina and Hannah. And again, like Sarah and Hagar, they were wives of uh, Elimelech. You see, there is always a problem if you have an extra marital relationship. (laughs) And then we find also a conflict between former friends. Formerly, Saul loved David. He was his uh, musician, armor bearer, but later on, he was wanting to kill him. In the New Testament, we also find conflicts. And one of the popular ones was the conflict between the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, whom, who discipled, who encouraged Paul in the first place. And then can you imagine your name is written in the Bible because you were quarreling. In Philippians chapter 4, two ladies in the church in Philippi were quarreling. Their names were Judea and Syntyche. And as you read the New Testament, you will find out that even among the Jewish people, there were sectoral conflicts between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the essence, and the nationalistic zealots. And there are also national conflict between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Israel. Later you will find racial conflict between the Gentiles and the Jews. And of course one day there will be a uh, global conflict that we call the war of Armageddon. Israel versus the nations. Now going to our contemporary scenes, these are some of the celebrated conflicts. You remember this in 2012? <laughs> okay. James Yap, the PBA MVP and uh, popular then one of the highest uh, endorsers of products, Chris Aquino. And then in 2015, you find 
a conflict within a major religious group in the Philippines. And uh, this was happening almost the whole year between the, the mother and the son. And then recently, last July 2, you find the conflict between uh, the Philippine team against the Australian team, and they call it basketball. And as a result of that, 13 players were sanctioned by FIBA that they cannot play for some time. And uh, we will be paying a lot of money. And uh, last week, July 23, we find conflict within one party. When there, was, uh, when there were two House speakers in the House of Representatives. But we will all agree that the most difficult and pervasive conflict in life is the one found in Romans 7, 14 to 25. That we call an internal personal crisis. Paul wrote, the good I want to do, I cannot do. The evil I hate to do, that I always do. Who will deliver me from this uh, internal conflict? And as I said earlier, sometime a few Sundays ago, every day seven Filipinos commit suicide. So the total is more than 2,000 a year. Mostly from the 15 to the 24 age because of internal conflict. So what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among people. And here, James was writing to believers. He was not writing to pagans. He was writing to people in the church. The word quarrel in that verse, it's the Greek polemoi, where we get the English word polemic. And then the word conflict is a Greek word makai, this was the, in Greek mythology the spirit of conflict and war. So different Bible translations uh, translate these two words interchangeably to refer to war, battle, strives, quarrel, dispute, contentions, conflicts, fights. So what causes conflict? In my survey of the internet, here is one of them, intolerance, poor communication, needs not met, prejudice, challenge to our values, making assumptions, the desire for power, lack of empathy, ignorance, cultural threat, and self-interest. And then this was divided into several areas. In uh, relational conflicts, the causes are miscommunication, strong emotion. Can you imagine in that texting, may mga emotion din, kahit text lang. Ha? Nilalagyan ng mga capital, bold, kasi you want to express your strong emotion. And then um, stereotyping, um, repetitive negative behavior. Sinabihan mo na na tumigil, Ayo pa din, 
paulit-ulit pa din. So, anong gagawin mo? Parang yung two days ago, nung sinampal ng pulis, yung driver ng bus. No? And then, data conflicts. Ano naman ang data conflict? Lack of information or misinformation, differing views on data relevance, and differing interpretation. There are also causes of conflicts in values, different ways of looking at life, different ideology. Dati yan. Ngayon halos wala ng ideology. Different criteria for evaluating ideas. And then there are also structural conflicts and interest conflicts. But my concern today is the Bible's perspective about the source of conflict. So in James 4 verse 1, he identified the first source of conflict. By the way, if you carefully read James 4, 1 to 12, there are three words that James was using, but they are actually cousins. So what I did is I just put them in one category. So the first one we read in James 4, 1. Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. So those are desires that I'll serve catering or serve serving. The word pleasure in James 4.1 is the Greek word hedone. And that word is the root word for the English word hedonism or hedonistic. Ano yung hedonism, pastor? In hedonistic mentality, pleasure is the chief or highest goal in life. So gusto mo lang lumigaya. Gusto mong sumaya. May masama ba doon? Well, kung sasaya ka at wala ka na apekto ang iba, okay lang siguro. Pero kung masaya ka, Pero miserable yung iba, aba, there will be conflict. Again, yesterday, I think two days ago, a security guard shot a Chinese businessman in Manila. Bakit? Kasi this Chinese businessman is parking his motorcycle in front of the place that the security guard is watching. So they had been having problems a few days earlier. And then that fatal day, the Chinese guy again parked the motorbike in front of their uh, building. So the security guard moved the motorbike in another place. So when the Chinese businessman came back, the bike was already moved and there was altercation that led to the security guard shooting the guy dead. You know, when our desires are self-serving, there will be conflict. Look at this statement about hedonism. It is a doctrine that pleasure or happiness is the highest goal. Sometimes it has become your way of life. Another way to picture that mentality is life is too short to care about anything else. So focus on yourself. Well, the problem there 
is when you are prioritizing your own satisfaction above anyone, above your family, above your organization, or above your cause, there will be conflict. When you are pursuing pleasure at the expense of others, there will be quarrels. The second cause of conflict is related to uh, hedonism. In chapter 4, verse 2, James used another strong word. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. Gustong-gusto mo ang isang bagay, hindi mo makuha, kaya papatay, papatay ka. That word, lust, is the Greek epithumia. Forgive me today, I'm using a lot of Greek words because I like to emphasize the similarities and differences. The word epithumia means strong desire, longing, craving, sometimes negative, coveting. But actually that word can be used positively. Like Jesus used that word when he was about to have the Passover with his disciples. Jesus said, with epitumia, I did epitumeo to eat this Passover with you before my suffering. So Jesus was strongly wanting to eat that last supper with his disciples. The Apostle Paul also used that word in Philippians 1.23. You know, when he was awaiting sentence of Rome, whether he will be released or killed, Paul wrote in Philippians 1.23, I am hard-pressed between the two, meaning to live or to die. But Paul said, my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better. So that word epithumia can be used in a positive sense, a strong desire for something that is positive. But its use in the New Testament is most of the time negative. And when it is used in a negative sense, our Bible translation will translate it as lust. Lust means a perverted, excessive, unrestrained, inordinate desire. Example, when you want to eat, that desire is neutral. It can even be good, especially if it's already one o'clock in the afternoon and you're not having lunch. So you have a strong desire to eat. That's epitumia. Pero kung kumakain ka na ng 11 o'clock, tapos alauna na, teredirecho ang kain mo, gusto mo pa, aba hindi na yung desire. Ang tawag na doon, siba. Kasibaan. Ano? Kasi it's too much. The word epi, epi, upon, sabihin, over, excessive, tumia is desire. When you are sleeping, it's good to sleep 6 to 10 hours. Okay? Pero kung after 10 hours, kagigising-gising mo lang, kumain ka lang, tutulog ka na naman, unless may sakit ka, ha? eh that's epitumia in the negative sense. 
So the Bible warns against sinful, evil, foolish, harmful, worldly, ungodly, corrupt desires that wage war against the soul. Later, I will show you a verse in the Bible. It says, take delight in the Lord. He will give you the, the desires of your heart. So that is tumia. Pero pastor, how come my desire is not yet being met by God? The big question is, is that desire positive or negative? If it is a positive desire, God will grant it. But if it is not, God will not grant it for your good. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul wrote our state before we become Christians. We all formerly lived in the epithumia of the flesh, in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And as a result, when we indulge in excessive ungodly desires, we are by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. Magbabaya tayo. So these desires are not only self-serving. The reason why we have conflicts is we have desires that are ungodly, not the will of God. Let me read from John Piper. John Piper wrote, Lust is a sexual desire that dishonors the object and disregards God. It is a corruption of a good thing by the absence of honorable commitment and by the absence of supreme regard for God. If your sexual desire is not guided by respect for the honor of others and regard for the holiness of God, it is called lust. So nowadays, and I would like to say this very bluntly, so many people, Christians included, are having premarital sexual relationship even before marriage. So when people engage in sexual relationship without commitment to marriage, they may say, I love you, and the other person may respond by saying, I love you, but oftentimes the motivation of that relationship is lust, more than love. Oswald Chambers wrote, Love can wait and worship endlessly, but last, it will say, I must have it at once, now. So there is a ministry called Love Can Wait. If you really love a person, you will wait for the right time with the right person. And it is happening nowadays when people are contacting through cell phones, through social media. They will just meet somewhere in UP. Kasi ang motel ngayon mura lang eh, 250 to 300. Four hours? Pastor, bakit mo alam? Eh kasi yung dinadaanan ko from Pasig papunta dito, mga motel eh, nakalagay doon sa labas eh, 250. Kamura lang na mag-text. So it's easy nowadays to be lustful because of social media, because of availability of funds, 
and the willingness of people. But when it disregards God, that's why we call it ungodly desires. James 1.13, we, we've studied this before. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Kasi that's often the dialogue. Pastor, you know, nananahimik ako. Tapos itong babae na to, daan-daan sa harapan ko. Eh sana na, hindi nalang pinadaan ni God. So si God pa ang may kasalanan. God himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own desire. Then when lust is acted upon, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. So when we sin, we should not be blaming God for doing wrong. It started from our inner desire. That's why the Apostle John wrote, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world are what? Last of the flesh, the last of the eyes, and the pride of life. They are not from the Father, but is from the world. Just look at the billboards. What is being advertised in the billboards? The world is passing away and also it's last. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So the opposite, if we want to put off last, Paul wrote, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the last thereof. If you don't have Christ, you will be a victim of your last. Because it's strong. In Galatians 5.16, Paul wrote again, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you will just use your own um, strength, it will not be easy. Just try this. Get Get the tablet or iPhone from a from an 8 year old child will he give it to you readily no why he has already you know he has already connected himself or herself to that gadget he will sleep with it and it is almost impossible for that young boy or girl not to use it during the day So let me put two concepts together. It is last when it is self, feeling, and physical desire based. It is love when it is spirit led, when it is in line with the will of God, and when it is good for other people. So when somebody, young ladies, tell you, I love you, please tell that person what do you mean. 
Kasi when the guy says, I love you, ano sagot naman ni girl? I love you din. Para ba nakakaintindihan sila? Pagkatapos sabi ni guy, oh, di sasama ka sa akin mamaya do sa biglang liko. Sabi ni girl, ay hindi ah. So people are using words that they at times don't really understand. Is it love or is it lust? When a person decides to run for government office, is it really love for public service or is it lust for power? Or is it lust for resources? So when we are confronted by excessive desire, we need to decide who to love or be committed to ourselves or God as Christians. That's why in James 4 verse 4, James called Christians who are compromising with the world adulterers. Do you not know that love with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend, sorry, I missed the word, to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You really have to choose. You really have to choose. Paul had chosen already. In Romans 14 verse 8, he wrote, For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Sometimes when we are having conflict, the Lord is taken out of the picture. That's why people quarrel. Ito ang gusto ko. Ito naman ang gusto niya. Maganda sana maitanong, ano kaya ang gusto ni Lord? That will help pacify the conflict. So when ma- husband and wife are having problems, it is good to ask, how is the relationship of the guy with the Lord and the wife with the Lord? Because if their relationship with the Lord is not going right, how can their relationship with, us, with each other be right? Number three. In chapter 4, verse 2, James wrote, you are Envious cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. May gusto ka, hindi mo makuha, kaya kayo nag-aaway. Well, I don't know whether it is accidental, but the Greek word for envious is zealous. Zealous. You have a strong desire for something that the other person possesses. So, nagseselos ka. So, like epitumia, selos can be used positively, like in Revelation 3.19, it is translated, therefore, be zealous. But oftentimes, it is also used in the negative sense, and it is translated, coveting or grudging. In Acts 7, verse 9, the patriarchs, 
meaning the brothers of Joseph, became envious or jealous of Joseph. Why? Because Joseph was the favorite of the father. And the ten brothers wanted that. So because they cannot have it, they will cause Joseph a lot of troubles. They even wanted to kill him, but later they just sold him. Another word that was used in uh, envy, envy was applied to Jesus. When Jesus was under trial before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate, in wanting to please the Jews, wanted to release one prisoner. And at that time, the Romans were holding a criminal one who was accused of insurrection and murder. His name was called Barabbas. So when the people were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? And why was he doing it? He knew that the Jewish people, the chief priests, handed Jesus over to him because of envy. So this kind of desire is hurting others. This is why James in chapter 4, 11 said, Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. We oftentimes judge people based on our standards. We judge people even with what they eat, with what they wear, with the movie that they are watching. We judge even people with the color of their hair, things like those. What right do we have to do that? Who are we to be those people's judges? Even in church, many times we judge people by what they say, by what they do. What right do we have to judge people? Jesus said, do not judge. So you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the lag that is in your own eye. The reason why we have conflicts is not only we wanted things for ourselves, we have excessive desire, but we also unconsciously want to put down others. And in our culture, by putting down others, you believe you will be raised up. We call it the crab mentality. But that is not always the case. When you put down others, then other people who listen to you will look down on you. So there is always conflict when we judge others. You know, even among pastors, we judge whether the sermon is bad or good or excellent. But do we really have the right to judge a very eloquent fluently delivered sermon 
may not be used by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit can use a simple, uh, short uh, sermon delivered with, you know, faltering English, you know, communication. That's why later, James will write in chapter 4 verse 12, there is only one judge and lawgiver, and that is not you and me. That's God. When we judge people, we are taking the role of God. And Jesus is saying, do not judge. You know, we will stand one day before God, each one of us, and it is God who will determine how we stand before Him. So, to avoid conflict, we need to avoid focusing only on our desires. We need to evaluate our desires, whether they are godly or not. And we need to evaluate whether our desires will be hurting others. You want a car? Okay, can you afford a car? If you can afford a car, then buy it. But if you ha- really have no money, you cannot afford a car. It will hurt the budget of your family. You should forego that desire. If you want a relationship, but you are very self-centered, then please, please spare the other person of your selfishness. So after James wrote about the source of conflict, now he will move to the solution to the conflicts. What do I do when I have this conflict within me and when I have this conflict with another person or when my organization is having a conflict with another organization? You know, I find this text so beautiful that it has been taking me three days to keep on reflecting on it. So what is the biblical solution to conflicts? And I propose that we in Breadcom need to proclaim about this. The first one is found in James 4 verse 2. You do not have because, because you do not pray. You pray and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So before you pray, you evaluate your motivation. You evaluate your desire. And that's why we have prayer partners. That's why we share our prayer concern with our fellow Christians so that they can respond. They can uh, share their feelings about your request. Example, you know, a girl said, Pastor, please pray naman, oh. Bakit? Kasi I like this guy. He's so nice. He's so generous. Handsome pa. E di, ang tanong ko naman, single ba siya? Hindi, pastor, hiwalay siya sa asawa niya. Ah, and what do you want me to pray for? Na maka, na kaming dalawa na. So what do you do with those kinds of requests? 
Or, Pastor, can you please pray that, uh, you know, I will get, I will get, um, tawag dito, visa in the U.S. Embassy? Ah, pupunta ka pala sa States. Bakit? Well, I want to work there. Oh, what's your visa? Tourist. You're a tourist, but you want to work in the States. Mukha atang there is a problem. You know, the danger with many of us is instead of humbly asking God, we are manipulating our ways. We want to do it ourselves. But look at what James was saying. God gives a greater grace. God can do more for you than you can do for yourself. God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You do not have because you do not ask. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear because we do not carry things to God in prayer. Grace means God's riches at Christ's expense. Another way to understand grace is overflowing blessing given to someone who is not deserving. So you don't even have to be deserving. God gives grace to the humble. You only need to recognize that you are undeserving. And you say to God, Lord, I am undeserving. But I need you. I need this. So would you grant me this? God gives greater grace to those who are humble. But sometimes we would rather do things than pray. But how do we ask and receive grace, pastor? Well, this is the good news. The source of grace is called the Word. And the Word was with God in the beginning. And this Word was God. And then a day came, this Word became flesh. And He tabernacled among us. And we saw His glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of? Full of? Grace and truth. From His fullness, we have all received blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So through Jesus Christ, I can experience the bountiful blessings that come from God even if I am not deserving. We only need to ask. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek you will find. Knock it will be opened. For everyone who asks, receive. Then you will say, but pastor, that's not true for me. I have been asking. What's your motivation for asking? What's the end result if what you are asking is given to you? 
Jesus again said, What man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Dito sa Pilipinas, marami sa atin nagda-drive. Ayaw natin magtanong. No? Dalawa reason natin why we don't want to ask people on the streets. Kasi mga Pilipino, pagka tinanong mo, saan po ba yung ganito? Sabi, then, diretso ka lang, tapos lumiko ko sa kaliwa. Tapos at the back of his mind, nung ka magtanong. Ayan. O kaya naman, Ayaw mo magtanong kasi napapahiya ka eh. Sa tao yun. Si God, hindi naman sa tao. God knows all. He knows what is best for you and me. So if we ask what is best for us, God would smile to give us what we are asking for. Second, we will solve conflicts when we align ourselves to God. Can you imagine a couple? This is what I want. The other says, this is what I want. Kaya mahirap mag-align eh. Kasi the other one is going south, the other one is going north. But when we begin to align ourselves with God, there will be resolution. Look at what James wrote in chapter 4, 7. Submit therefore to God. The reason for many conflicts is we want the other person to submit to us and what we want. But when we submit to God, God can cause all things to work together for our good. And then second, part of aligning ourselves to God is to resist those things that are not aligned with God. And that's the area of the devil. You know, after Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And then Jesus began to reveal to them what would happen to him that he would suffer and be crucified and then raised up. Then Peter said, No, Lord, this will never happen to you. Pinagalita pa niya si Jesus. You know what Jesus said? Get behind me. Get behind me. Satan. When the agenda is not from God, it can only be from us, from people, or from Satan. In earlier sermon of Pastor Abbott, you find two kinds of wisdom. The wisdom that comes from above and the descriptions. And then the other wisdom is earthly, worldly, and demonic. And for you not to rem- not forget it, yung mga kumakanta rito ng My Way, My Way, ni Frank Sinatra, Ano yung unang first statement? And now the? Yan. 
So, yung end, yan ang acronym for earthly, natural, and demonic. When you are pursuing something earthly, natural, and demonic, that will be, your, your end is near. If you want to align yourself with God, you need to cleanse your hands. You need to evaluate your external actions. But more importantly, you need also to cleanse your heart. No? So the hand is what you see. The heart is inside. And they should be synchronized. Our hands should be doing what our hearts are dictating. James is saying, you double-minded because we are doing something ungodly, but deep inside you want to do something godly. You need to synchronize them. And sometimes, to align yourself to God will be costly. You can be miserable. You can mourn. You can weep. You will stop laughing. Your laughter will be turned into mourning, your joy to bloom. Why? Because the rest of the people around you will say you're crazy. You're crazy. But that is even a lighter criticism. You know what they said to Jesus? You have a demon. You are a gluten and a drunkard and you have a demon. So when we align ourselves to God, we should be willing to pay the price of discipleship, of following Him. That's why Jesus said, you want to be my disciples? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And when we do that, initially there will be conflict, but then later there will be peace. And what's the key? In James 4 verse 5, before James said, submit to God, resist the devil, prior to that, he already gave a promise of enablement. James wrote, do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. You can do it. You can align yourself to God because God has given you the power to do it. Do you know that you have a power within you that is greater than any power in the world? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. And that power is called the power of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ lived in you. And because He lives in you, you can say like Paul, I can do all things because of him who will strengthen me. You can align yourself to God. You can say no to the devil. You can say no to ungodly desires. You know, there was a time in my own life when I was, when I was in college. Kasi barkate, diba? Barkada. Fraternity member ka pa. So talagang you are giving way to your desires. Now my problem is when I got born again, those desires are still in your mind. 
I dream about them. And there was a time even that I was dreaming in color. Ha? Ganun pala, may panaginip palang color, dun, no? And sometimes you like it. You like it. You love it. But then, I'm starting to learn about aligning yourself to God. And I said, if I stop my hedonistic inclinations, then what will my brad say to me? So in my second year as born-again Christian, I wrote a letter to my fraternity, which, by the way, is celebrating its 100 years this coming November. I told them, I'm resigning. I cannot be a part of it. Because that time, my feeling was I wanted to align myself with God. And I thought I cannot do it. Because in campus, in the men's dorm, I see my brads, both older senior brads and the younger brads. And they say, call him brad. But I have to make a decision that time in 1978. And I have not regretted that. Because when I made the decision to align myself with God, I started to feel His pleasure and I started to feel the power within me that He has given me during that time. Look at a sample of God's people when they are not aligned with God. In Isaiah 30 verse 1, Isaiah said to Israel, Woe to the rebellious children who execute a plan. And what was the characteristic of their plan? But not mine. Make alliance, but not of my spirit. And what happens? They add sin to sin. They proceeded down to Egypt without consulting me. They take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and they seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the safety of Pharaoh will be your shame and the shelter of the shadow of Egypt, your humiliation. Because you chose them instead of God, then that will be the result. Shame and humiliation. But look at the positive Example, Joseph. You know, if you are being tempted every day by the wife of your boss, you know, some guys would fall into it. But not Joseph. But what was the result for Joseph? He was falsely accused. And he went to jail. There was no specific time given, but my feeling was about 10 years. Can you imagine you are a young person about 17 to 20, your prime years will be in jail? First, your brother sold you to slavery. Now, the wife of your boss falsely accused you and now you're in jail? You know, Joseph had the reason to be bitter and angry and to fight everyone else. And when he became the prime minister of Egypt, he could have taken vengeance against his brothers. But what made him 
welcomed the brothers, fed them, cared for them. Look at what happened. Before the year of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn what? Manasseh. Why that name? Joseph said, God made me, wow, God made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. You know, sometimes there is conflict because we cannot forget offenses. But here, Joseph said, God made me forget. We may not be able to forget, but God can help us forget. And then another son was born, and he named him Ephraim. The key word is para, it means fruitfulness. God made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So Joseph need not quarrel with, need not have conflict with his brothers or anyone, because what they cannot give him or what they did to him, God has turned around. So that's the beauty when we are aligning ourselves with God. Conflicts will be set aside because what people don't deliver to you, God will. And what people have done evil to you, God will turn around. Why will he do it? You are aligned with him. So to avoid worries, conflicts, you just need to make a decision who is your lover or master. Jesus said, you cannot serve two of them. You will hate the one, you will love the other. You cannot serve God and something else. Verse 32, the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things for your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Get aligned to it. And you know what will happen? All these things that you worry about will be added to you. You don't have to fight it out. If it is not for you, give it to them freely so that God can bless you with what is for you. What if I'm having a hard time, pastor, aligning with God? Worse, I tried that in the past, but I always fail. Well, James wrote about the third solution. Despite your failure, despite your difficulties, draw near to God. Huh? I will draw near to someone whom I have hurt? Yes. Yes. Because all along, he has been waiting for you with open arms. When the prodigal son took his inheritance from his father because he felt suffocated by his father's strictness, he went out bringing his inheritance. He lost all of them. And when he came back, smelly, maybe sickly, he saw somebody running towards him. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. 
Again, James said, humble yourselves. Because sometimes we, we want to draw near to God when we have fixed things. That's still pride. Bagsa ka na. Mayabang ka pa. Why don't you just go to God as you are? As dirty as you are. And allow God to cleanse you. Allow God to embrace you. He will. The father embraced the prodigal son, kissed him, put on clothing to him, and gave him a ring and sandals. There are two ways people draw near to God. And the first one we had been doing, and that's why we are not experiencing God. I call this the religious traditional way. Isaiah said, because these people draw near, and how do they draw near? With words, and honor me with their lip service. But their hearts, their hearts are removed far from me. Their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. Napaka-religyoso natin. Hindi lang tayo lumalapit sa Diyos by words. Lumalapit pa rin tayo sa Diyos na nakaluhod, naglalakad ng malayo, pinaparusahan ng ating mga sarili. Pero ang problema, malayo ang ating puso. God wants us to draw near to Him with our hearts. No wonder there are many people whose hearts cannot be filled up by the love of God. The second way is the gospel way. And the gospel way is you delight yourself in the Lord. You know, when, when the prodigal son came back to his father, what did the father announce? Let's have a party. When the woman who lost the coin found the coin, what did he say? Let us have a party. When the, you know, when the people lost a ship and they found it, they want to have a party. My dear friends in Breadcom, we need to develop, we need to learn how to enjoy the Lord. How to delight in the Lord. Because for many, Christianity is set of duties. But God wants our relationship with Him to be delightful. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. You don't have to pay. You don't have to perform before God. God loves you. He just wants to embrace you. He just wants to bless you. What about my problems? What about, well, commit them to the Lord. And what will happen? He will do it. What you cannot do, what people cannot do for you, let God do for you. And He will. Because He is your heavenly Father. The Westminster Confession said, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. 
John Piper paraphrased this and he said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with Him. You know why we are complaining about our husbands, about our wives, about our work, about our health? We are complaining about them because we are not satisfied with God. But when we are satisfied with God, when we can say like David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then you can just lie down in green pastures. Your broken hearts and souls can be restored. Why do we have conflicts? Because people are not satisfied. They want more. Believing that having more will make them happy. That's a lie. Having more will give you more burdens. Can you imagine if you have 30 shoes? Just to choose which one you will wear that day is a burden. If you have five cars, just to maintain all of them and to choose which one you will use is already a burden. Ganyan tayo we. We want to accumulate. You know why? Because there is an emptiness inside that we are trying to fill up but only God can fill it up. Once that is filled up by God, no matter what happens around, you will be happy. You will be happy. And when you are happy, you will make others happy. But when you are miserable, misery seeks company. You will make other people miserable. So what's the solution to conflicts? Pastor, eh paano yung kaaway ko? In Psalm 23 verse 5, it says, You prepare what? A table. Kaya nga, gusto ko itong ano to, gusto ko itong translation na to. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Why will I quarrel with him when what he cannot give me, God has already provided me? So I can even treat my enemies. To those of us who have relational problems, Proverbs 16.7 says, when the way you live pleases the Lord, what happens? He makes even your enemies live at peace with you. Ang problema natin, we are trying our best to please our enemies, to please that relative, to please that friend. And you are trying your best, ayaw pa niya, hindi eh, lalo magagalit ka na. So, go back to the basic. You please the Lord. And the Lord will guide you how to relate with your enemy. The Lord can change the heart of your enemy, by the way. So how do we know the right way, the right approach when there are so many ways? There is a Buddhist way. There is a Muslim way. There is a Confucius way. There is way of the world. Well, we go back to the basic. Thomas said, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? So they're expecting a, uh, a dogma. They're expecting a, a strategy. 
But Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. No one comes to God but through me. If you have known me, you have known my father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Through Jesus, we can experience God. We can be connected with God. How sure are we about that approach? The writer of Hebrews said, So much the more also, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant with God. You know, the former priest, even the pastors, they existed in great numbers. Why? Because they are prevented from death, from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. People say, you are very discriminating, pastor. How come you only say Jesus is the way? I can say Jesus is the way because he is the only one who died for me. Muhammad did not die for me. Buddha did not die for me. Only Jesus. And you know what? He did not only die. He rose again from the dead for me. And he is coming back. Why will I not give my life to him? And even now, he is interceding for you and me. You know, we need to be convinced about Jesus. Because if not, when we tell people about the good news, we will tell other things other than Jesus. We tell them about how good our praise and worship is in church. Come to church. How good is our preaching in church? This is what's happening now in the world. Let's go back to Jesus and let people know that Jesus is the way to resolve conflicts, is the way to turn around lives. But what about my sins and my failures? Well, the writer said, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Those had been paid for in full. So let us draw near with sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Our hearts having sprinkled clean. Dapat maniwala talaga tayo na yung mga puso natin, yung mga konsyensya natin ay nilinis na sa pamamagitan ng dugo at katawan ni Kristo. Kasi marami sa ating Christians but we are still living in guilt. We cannot really approach God with confidence because at the back of our mind, I don't deserve this. Yes, you and I don't deserve it. But because of Jesus and what he did for us, we can have the confidence to ask, to align ourselves to God and to draw near to him. So what is our role, Breadcom, in the conflict-laden world? One is to proclaim the source or the cause of conflicts. Kasi mga source ng Eh, kasi bobo siya eh. Kasi hindi siya nag-iisip. That's the way we think about people. Well, that's judging. We need to remind them that the causes of conflicts are desires that are self-serving. Desires that are ungodly, worldly, oftentimes demonic. 
and desires that hurt others. And then we tell them the good news, that there is a solution to the conflict. There is a cure to the conflict. And what are they? We just humbly ask the grace of God through Jesus. Second, we align ourselves with God again through Jesus. And the third, we humbly approach God again through Jesus. Our text ends in chapter 412. It says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. And the one who is lawgiver and judge can do two things. He can save or he can destroy. But here is the good news. He decided to save. God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So I would rather preach a message of goodness than a message of judgment. Because people can already feel and sense judgment, whether they like it or not. But they need to hear and experience the gospel or goodness. What about the per present personal and even racial conflicts in the world? Paul wrote this beautiful treatise. Now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off has been brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace. He is establishing peace. He can reconcile two parting groups, quarreling groups, into one. Verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who are far away, peace to those who are near. For through him, we can have both an access in one spirit to the Father. We need to be able to proclaim to quarreling couples, you cannot handle your problem just between the two of you. You need Christ to establish peace in your relationship. So let me end by giving us encouragement as a church when we proclaim the, the source of conflicts and the solution to conflicts. In Matthew 5, 9, in the Beatitude, Jesus said, Blessed are the makers and maintainers of peace. They will be called sons of God. Oh, I pray that our message in Breadcom QC will always be love and peace not message of judgment. I have told you this thing, said Jesus, so that in me, not in doctrine, not in discipleship strategies, in the person of Jesus, we may have peace. In the world, you will have conflicts. In the world, you will have troubles. But take heart, said Jesus, I have overcome the world. And if you are with Jesus, you too will overcome the world. Paul wrote in Romans 8.37, In all these things, famine, sickness, death, 
in all these things that are happening, we, we are more than conquerors through him who does not judge us, through him who loved us. Let us pray. Our God, thank you for your love for us that you sent your son to be hurt, to suffer, even to die a shameful death so that we can experience forgiveness and wholeness. Oh Lord, those of us who are going through conflicts nowadays know how difficult it is. It is not easy when we are hurting and when we are hurting family members and friends. Now we have learned, Lord, that by ourselves we cannot do it. But thank you for the good news that with Jesus involved in my life, in our lives, he can establish peace. He can establish reconciliation. He can release withheld blessings because you are the loving God who is so much willing to release those blessings. Oh God, relieve the pains and hurts of your people because of conflicts. Let Jesus be real to us again. Oh Lord Jesus, teach us how to delight in you. Teach us even how to pray and ask. Give us the grace to align ourselves to you and the faith to do so. And Lord, teach us how to worship you, not only in a big setting like this, but in a day-to-day setting, when we are at home, when we are in the office, when we are driving. Lord, let us delight in you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen.